is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under arrest. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wilson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. From the top. Of the Ferris Wheel at the Smogville World's Fair, it's World Champion Podcast with your co-host, Brighton SLC. And Sean Black. We are two men who signed a bad contract with the mysterious Smogville World's Fair, forced to create nothing less than the best podcast in the world. The world champion of podcasts, as it were. Trapped in a Ferris Wheel, we talk about the only things we really understand. Fringe and forgotten pop culture. Heavy metal. Public television, music, Beatles, wrestling. Halloween! Oh yeah, and mysteries of Halloween. Mysteries of the mysterious. Mm-hmm. Halloween. Oh, it's Halloween time! It's Halloween edition. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, this sound effects tape we put on is chilling. I know. There's, there's cats. There's... What else? There's uh, some, kind, some kind of... Leaves. Oh, rustling evil. leaves. Ooh. There's an evil scientist saying things. Yeah. There's always a, a grumpy and monstrous butler inviting you in, in a, in a mischievous voice. Oh, yeah. Door creaking. Yeah, the door creaking. I had this record, and I uh, had this purple Dracula on the cover. That's when I was a child. And, I, and he's, he's painted so well, and he, he's got, like, blood dripping from his nails. And uh, mostly it's Monster Mash and then other Halloween hits. Right. So I don't know whatever happened to my childhood record, but I found it at a thrift store a couple of years ago, and I was really? so excited, and I grabbed it, and I bought it for 50 cents, oh, wow. and then got home, and the record wasn't inside. Ah. So I bought the cover. Oh, man. It's but almost it, worth it. But the first track on side two was Buried Alive, and it was, well, to be fair, the last time I heard it, I was five or six years old. But, but it, was... it was horrifying. It's a guy, like, sort of gently weeping and scratching on the lid of a coffin. Oh, man. Yeah. That's pretty messed up. It was for pretty a, messed for up a for a kid's novelty thing. record. For the B side of Monster Mash, yeah, to have some kind of psychological horror. Those are one of the things that are that are much scarier than a guy with a knife coming after you. Yeah, I feel I feel like if if Jason gets to you, he's really big, he's really strong, and he kills you quick. Yeah, like even if you're even if it's horrific, you know, you still that drill only has to go through your neck a couple times. But to be locked inside of a of a coffin. With no hope of return. That's really trying, scary. Trying in futility to claw your way out with your fingernails. What would you do if you were trapped? This, this happens to in Kill Bill. What well, yeah, I was going to say, I'd do the one-inch punch. The one-inch punch, right? Yeah. Although I haven't really practiced that. I know. that This is the thing. You want to know one of my bizarre fears is that it's something exactly like that, where it's like I'm dangling from, from a cliff, and I have to do a pull-up. And this is something that, you know, most people can do. And I can do a pull-up. Yeah. But I can just imagine being in a situation where it's like the only thing that, that, you know, would save my life in this situation is I have to climb this rope within 20 seconds. And as a normal person, I should be able to do that. 
So but, some, yeah. But I will die. The flames will, you know, the the magma will be going up my legs, and I'll be pulling on this rope, being like, "Well, I've had my whole life to practice this." Yeah, something very simple that if you just weren't so lazy, you could do. Right. Well, like if I, you know, I've always joked if I'm in a group of people and we're being chased by the Wolfman, mm-hmm. uh, why would I even? I'll probably just be like, "Well, it's gonna be me." Right. I mean, you know, I sh- I should be able to run more than a tenth of a mile without getting winded. Right, it's and new. maybe if the wolf man's after me, adrenaline will kick in, and well, I'll that's really what be that's what I'm away. that's what I'm hoping. But I I feel like that's really stupid to bet on adrenaline, like it's some superpower. Like I got bit by a radioactive spider, like yeah. suddenly I'll be able to do a one arm pull up with just my fingertips, just because of of, of some adrenaline. hormone in my body, just because you've seen guys in movies do yeah, it. Yeah, like the, I, I'll get that rush of adrenaline, and then I'll just make my fingers shaky and sweaty, and I'll yeah. slip and fall to my death. Yeah, into the ocean below. So this means that we're going to have to go down to the Smogville Gymnasium and start working out with those medicine balls. Like, I feel like the, when they do the Presidential Fitness Award, when we were, in ki- when we were kids, you had to yeah. you know, do 10 push-ups, you had to climb, what, I, whatever it was. Like, you should be able to do it now. My, have you ever looked yeah. up the military's uh, fitness test? Isn't it having, being able to do like 100 push-ups? It's hard. It's, I, it's, I can't do 100 push-ups if you give me a week. Right. And, but I mean, that is what they've decided is optimum like that's how you should be yeah but almost no one is like that but we ha- we all have the the capabilities and the potential well i do like though that in recent years the military has lowered their standards for fitness that's true <laughs> and, and let's and, not say they're and at, criminal history yeah and, let's uh, not say they're they're uh, backward they're with the times right they understand that we are no longer fit as a people well i just can't imagine a worse feeling than you're running from from lava coming at you and you can't, since you can't really run that far, you have to sit down and die. Like, yeah. That's a really sad, pathetic thing. Yeah. You're like, if I only need to run one mile for, to, to safety to live? Oh, but that's, it's uphill. That's, how, that's not, doesn't sound so bad. I could probably keep, stay alive. Oh, man, this is uphill. This is really uphill. Well, the lava. Stairs. How bad is it to die in lava anyway? I think I might just sit down for a minute. It's, pro- it's probably quick. I'll, I'm probably going to heaven now that I think about it. <laughs> Good news. I'm, I'm suddenly Christian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found it. Yeah, so those last 10 seconds, do you claw like crazy up the, up the hill to make it that first quarter of a mile? Or do you start praying to every god you can think of? Yeah, that's about it. Or both. I guess you could probably do both. You're multitasking. I don't know. You've got a lot on your mind. Well, here's... <laughs> <laughs> or nothing on your mind. It could be like a Zen experience, right? As the as the lava waves hit you, you just are in the absolute moment. I I don't know. I don't really want to think about this anymore. I know this went down a dark dark path quickly. Yeah. Well, don't worry. It's gonna, it is how our special Halloween spooktacular. Mm-hmm. The first of maybe a couple Halloween spooktaculars. That's right. So it's gonna get real dark in a minute. Um, <laughs> but first, let's lighten it back up. Now, of course, uh, we are in Smogville. It's a strange town. As if you listen to last week's clip show, right. I mean last week's uh, recreation of visitors' of, of guide, visitors' guide to Smogville. Um, basically, we have in our business dealings, we have a very antiquated form of language here, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, in the rest of the world, east and west and south and north of Smogville, mm-hmm. uh, some of these words and terms that we use are are going out of out of style, and we're right. tasked with keeping them alive. Right. It, the, the tradition in Smogville is to keep all the slang terms alive and to try to kind of phase out actually the real words. Now, do we have a name for this segment? 
No, not yet. Ironically, not. Our, our section about words has no words. the one segment we do that doesn't have a name and theme song. Yeah. Well, give it time. We got all the time in the world. We do. We're doing this for free. That's right. We're doing it. All right. Tonight's word is, this, is, this just got sent to us. It's chiefly Southwest, and the term is bat hide. Bat hide. Yeah. Like, okay, and it doesn't simply refer to the height of a bat. No, not in this case. Okay, it's a southwestern term. Uh, I'm guessing it's a type of like, like a type of material, like maybe a boot or a vest. Uh, like, hey, get your bat hides on because it's gonna be cold tonight. I feel like you're on the right track. And then the Southwest, kind of, you picture like the Old West. I think. Yeah, that high chaparral. Yeah, but it, but. Should I give you more hints? Should I just tell you? No, I don't know how we, we do this. Yeah, section. no, let's 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 do some hinty stuff. Okay, stuff. so a bat hide would be used. In, it's valuable. You would want to. You could use it in almost. I any. got it. Condom. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were using bat hide as a condom, you'd actually be using in those times. Probably an actual, an bat actual hide, yeah. bat like a bat wing condom. It seems like a bat wing would be a fine material for that. Yeah, I don't know if those fing- those like skeletal fingers slip right out or not. I don't know how the hide works, but or maybe that's like a ribbed for her pleasure thing. The bat fingers. Oh, God. <laughs> There's a store here that sells dead bats. It's pretty cool. They just got a bookcase full of them. Drawers. Mm-hmm. You pull out drawers and inside are just dozens of dead bats. And you could just call up and say, "You got any bat hides over there?" Yeah, they literally do. All right, so a bat, the, a bat hide would be exchanged in any business for a good or service. So it's like a, a dollar bill? Yeah, exactly. Huh. It's a dollar bill. A bat hide. It sounds very cowboy, right? Yeah, it does. Like, give me those two bat hides you owe me. Or the like old in, rattlesnake. Um, in, you know how in sci-fi and fantasy books where everything... Like, kind of matches the real world, but then they have to come up with a different... Like, history. Well, they have or... to come up with, like, a different word for the language. Because mm-hmm. they can't say English. And then they have to come out, come up with a different word for money, like credits. Mm-hmm. It's always just credits. Money is always credits. They'll the pl- pay you 13,000 credits. Earth is always terra, terra nova or terra something. Yeah, and then the language is the common tongue or basic. Basic. And, and in it... Star Wars, it's called basic. Yeah. So... I think Dungeons & Dragons, it's common. Yeah. Now, do you think if you play... So, my entire life, thinking of... Du- I played Dungeons & Dragons like crazy as a kid. To me, common always meant English to me. Which, it's never occurred to me that whatever country you're playing Dungeons & Dragons in, you would probably assume common is your language. Oh, that's interesting. So, in Japanese Dungeons & Dragons games, they think, okay. Yeah, oh, common. Common. Japanese, they yeah. must speak Japanese. So. That's interesting to think of, of dwarves and elves and... I mean, this just shows my Western perspective. It does. That it seems weird to me of a red-bearded dwarf speaking Japanese. Yeah, you're human-centric. That's your problem. Yeah, I am. But that's... Gosh. I googled bat hide, and it's uh, giving me step-by-step instructions in Windows how to run a batch file. Oh, but the batch... So the term has evolved. It has. So it's no longer a dollar, dollar bill. It also could be some kind of computer... Situation. It's just tons of uh, tons of Windows stuff. Oh, because it's a hidden file called a .bat. Hmm. Well, this is not interesting at all. No, Why are no, we even no, talking no, about yeah, this on the radio? No, no, no. no. So yeah, so that's that. That term is an important term. 
used in Smogville often in business, and you hear it every day around here. So if you're coming to town, remember, bat hide, dollar bill. Yeah, money, bat hides, talk, credit walks. Mm -hmm. Which we call bullshit around here is what the term for credit. Yeah, bat hide and bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's what you say, yeah, when you go to the the general goods store to buy your pemmican, Mm -hmm. and they're ringing it up. They say, will that be bat hide or bullshit? Mm -hmm. I really like that. I kind of do, too. Bat hide or bullshit. We'll have to keep that in mind when we make our T-shirts. Okay. That we only accept bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Do not send bat hide through the mail. (laughs) It's pretty good. I like it. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, since it is the Halloween season, I wanted to uh, do our our most popular segment, Mysteries of the Mysterious. <laughs> this is the segment wherein we discuss a well-known, or perhaps not so well-known, but a, a unsolved mystery from some time in the past or present, mm. and we try to solve it. Right. And usually we succeed. Almost every time. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's going to get dark. I'm talking about Ronald DeFeo Jr. You never ever heard of that no, guy? Not, never heard of him. Well, on November 13th, 1974, he's a 23-year-old man. Goes into a bar in his hometown around the corner from his house and says, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Okay. They go to his house. His mother, his father, his four siblings have all been shot with rifles. Uh, by him. He did. <laughs> So his, his hunch was, was really based on a lie. It wasn't just a feeling. Yeah. It was yeah. also knowing he himself had killed them. He himself did it. Uh, he, um, he got... They were all found... What's weird is they were shot with a rifle about 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. They were all found uh, on their belly in their beds with no sign of struggle. So somehow he, he didn't wake anybody up during this murder spree. Well, so far the murder spree is backwards because usually you run for help before the, the murder. And not after. Yeah. If so, you truly want help. Yeah. If you truly want... So, so th- this is going to maybe... So, so you're saying that every single person was in bed? Yeah. So and, you think after hearing the first gunshot, someone would be roused from their slumber? Yeah. I, there's no such thing as a silencer on a, a rifle, is there? I don't think so. And even silencers aren't really silent. Yeah. Well, they're, they're pretty quiet in James Bond movies. And those type of, they, they, they seem like they work well in movies. Like... <laughs> Yeah. They're like that, right? Ping. That neat little ping sound. It's a cool sound. Yeah. Uh, and they, was everyone shot in the back? Yeah, as far as I can tell. That um, is weird. Yeah, so he tried to do uh, insanity, which never really works. That's always a movie thing. Like, oh, just pretty temporary insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a frequent abuser of heroin and LSD. He had an antisocial personality disorder. Um. I'm getting all my information from Wikipedia, by the right. way, just in case anyone thinks I did original research. No. Uh, later, he tried to appeal it many years later, and he said that one of his sisters actually killed everybody, and then the only person he killed was that sister, you know, to put an end to the carnage. That's a pretty good... Like, if you should have thought of that one right yeah, up front. If you're going to make up a creative yet unprovable alibi, that's a pretty good one. Because, I mean, what do you... So it was self-defense. Was that what yeah, he's saying that? Yeah, so he like wrestled the gun from her. and Blasted then, her. Yeah. Jeez, I don't know. This almost sounds like Evil Dead or something. No, it's going to sound familiar. So uh, this was in November 1974. In December of 1975, uh, this house that these seven people lived in was purchased by a new family. And uh, 
This is in Amityville, New oh, York. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, of course, it's it, this has been made into a movie. Every five years. Yeah, 11 times since <laughs> 1979. So I think that's wow. more than every five that years. That is more than... There's a, it's been made 11 times. The most recent is the Ryan Reynolds, right? Didn't he do one? Oh, no, no. That was... Uh, that was the third that one That was back. 11 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Ryan Reynolds one. Uh, wait, is that the one? Yeah. That was in 2005. Then we've got uh, The Amityville Haunting in 2011. Then we've got The Amityville Asylum in 2013. Amityville Death House in 2015. Amityville Playhouse in 2015. Wow. Then next year, Amityville The Awakening, starring uh, people I haven't heard of and Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> She's good. Sure. But I mean, but she's one of those actors that could be in either like an A-list film or like the the Duracell Bunny presents like back to Fun Camp. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely sounds like a straight to Redbox type situation. Right. Oh, this says it's the 17th installment in the Amityville saga. So so the mystery so that guy went to jail. Yeah. So the mystery of the house itself it it's been it's been a while since I've seen one of those. So it's kind of like The Shining, right? When you live there, you st- one of you you becomes a murderer. Well, I mean that is a legit mystery. Is there's never really been a clear motive for why he did that. Okay. Um, and then why no one heard any gunshots? Why no one was awakened by this? So the book came out in 1977 by Jay Anson called The Amityville Horror: A True Story. And uh, basically this family, the Lutzes, bought it, moved in right before Christmas in 1975 uh, for an extra, it was Mm $80,000, and I don't know. If that was fair. I don't know if that's a lot of money. Apparently that was a deal. Okay. So for, you know, a six-bedroom colonial house. What state is is this in? This is in, uh, on Long Island in New York. Okay. So then for an extra $400, uh, the house came with the furniture. That's it? That sounds like a great deal. Now, that sounds like a good deal, $400 for a murderer's furniture. But it's everything, right? I guess all the beds. D- d- they Probably must've, they must have flipped they must've the mattress got, over at Yeah, least. at least flip the mattress over. <laughs> you've, got, you've got six mattresses that are all just stained on the bottom. Yeah. Oh, God. Man, that's, yeah, that's creepy. Um, so a friend, uh, so the Lutz family, a friend of his heard about the history of the house and um, insisted on having it blessed. Uh, the both of them were non-practicing uh, Christians, but they knew a Catholic priest who came out and carried out a blessing. Um, who's going to? Who's going to? Ar- yeah, well, who's going to argue against that? You know? Yeah, well, I'm not a religious man, but I might be okay, cool with it. Just hedge your bets. Well, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's just, just like, like lava. The, yeah, just like the lava crawling up your legs. You're praying to every god. Yeah. Um, so he arrived to perform the blessing. He says he heard a. Uh, a masculine voice demand that he get out, and he felt a slap to the face. Now, he said this many times. Uh, however, in a sworn affidavit, he said he never even went to the house. Later. The priest. Yeah. So there's controversy over all this. Why would he say that? I don't know. Could this be like an elaborate prank? Well, that's the thing is, so the book, the, the, the Lutz family never talked to Jay Anson, who wrote the book. Okay. He was provided with hours and hours of tape-recorded interviews with them and wrote the book based on that. Okay. And then years later, there was this big lawsuit uh, where the family was suing tons of people for invasion of privacy and mental distress and all this, um, including a guy named William Weber, 
who was the defense attorney for Ronald DeFeo Jr., the murder. Wow. So for whatever reason, the defense attorney then started feeding these stories to this author. A judge called it disturbing. Maybe that murderer does have some sort of power. Yeah. If, the, mean, if his lawyer is helping someone write a book that's terrorizing a family. So he, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really bizarre. Oh, the, the, the judge said, there is a very serious ethical question when lawyers become literary agents. <laughs> so, and that's true. Um, so the Lutz family, they only stayed there. <clears throat> Pardon me. My voice box got temporarily insane. Uh, they only stayed there, where did I see it, 28 days? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Well, it doesn't matter. Someone can, oh yeah, 28 days they left the house. Okay. So I'm going to run down the bullet points. There's a lot of them, of all the phenomenon they were experiencing. Okay. Uh, every day, George would wake up around 3.15 in the morning and go out to check the boathouse, and that was the time of the killings. What do you mean, why would he do that? Well, like he, he, would, he, like, he would get up he would and just, just like, up sleepwalk? Then, yeah. Austin 3.16 a.m.? <laughs> At Austin 3.16 a.m., yeah. Huh. Um, the house was plagued by swarms of flies despite the winter weather. I don't know if you can totally blame the devil for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just throw out some bananas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Kathy had vivid nightmares about the murders and discovered the order in which they occurred in the rooms where they took place. I don't think that's really a discovery because they were in the bedrooms. Well, I mean, she knew what order they got murdered in without reading, though. That, that's that, kind of creepy. That's what she's saying. It, it, um, the Lutz children also began sleeping on their stomachs in the se- same way that the dead bodies had been found. Okay, that, that's, not, that's a stretch. That's a real stretch. I sleep on my stomach. Yeah, that's like, God, he wore shoes the same way that Colonel... And just like the killer, he had white socks. Yeah. Um, Kathy would feel a sensation of being embraced in a loving manner by an unseen force. Okay. George discovered a small hidden room around four feet by five feet behind shelving in the basement. The walls were painted red, and the room did not appear in the blueprints of the house. Well, what is that? The even dog mean? refused to go near it. The, the red room? Yeah. Red so, room, red room. So they found a closet, a storage closet. Storage closet. Someone put a bookcase in front of them. Um, now, this is my favorite. There were cold spots and odors of perfume and excrement in areas of the house... <laughs> <laughs> where no wind drafts or piping would explain the source. Now, here's where I'm just coming up with my first theory. Okay. George was having an affair with a farty prostitute. <laughs> Someone was farting, for sure. And then just and, blasting Febreze in the room. Or maybe that was George trying to cover up the perfume. He, he had this one prostitute he really preferred, but she wore so much damn perfume that he would purposely eat lots of beans or something. And it just fart up the place. And then, oh no, my wife's coming home. And he'd just start running through the <laughs> just house. running. Crop dust. jogging through the house. Yeah. <laughs> like every step a fart would shoot out. Yeah. He could, he could just be talented that way, you know? Some people can fart on command. Oh boy. So then his wife comes in and then he's just like, do you feel a, a presence here? It's the devil. <laughs> it could be a ghost. Perfume and excrement. Perfume? No, no, no. Smell, it doesn't smell like perfume. It smells more like a fart. That's what, I, that's what I'm getting here. Isn't that what you're getting? I think the smeller's the feller, honey. Oh, I just thought of something. <laughs> thought of a line. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Ready, audience? Talk about gaslighting. <laughs> it's pretty good. Sure. It's been very <laughs> delivered well. Well, it's worth <laughs> it. Why not put an like, underline it, you know? Yeah. Let's take a moment. 
you know, we're we're vaudevillians, vaude, vaudevillians at heart. <laughs> vaudevillians at heart. <laughs> we are vaude. Oh, that's good. Let's remember that for the remember t-shirt. that for the shirt business. Vaudevillians. Uh, while tending to the fire, George and Kathy saw the image of a demon with half his head blown out, burned into the soot in the back of the fireplace. These Again, two sound seeing, like, it sounds like they're patterns. on drugs or something. Yeah. Well, that's that's how a lot of these hauntings are explained. Yeah, it's we'll, just we'll, a gas we'll get leak to that. And infrasound. Oh yeah, infrasound for um, sure. The Lutz's five-year-old daughter Missy developed an imaginary friend named Jody. Okay. A demonic pig-like creature with glowing red eyes. The kid described it that way, I guess. Which wow. also sounds creepy. Uh, uh, my girlfriend's niece is what three years old, and has developed a very elaborate mythology about these horrible creatures that kill babies. Her son, really? Yeah, this this three year old. It's amazing, and you can ask her questions about it, and she answers them without even like hesitating. Hmm. Like, oh, do they build nests? No, they live in the sea. Stuff like that. So it's not. It's such a classic thing in creepy stories to be like, oh, the children mm. saw something, but kids... Kids are naturally kids, morbid. They're morbid, and they have such good imaginations. Didn't you have some kid come up to you and say, I'm going to kill you or something? I swear you told me some story where someone <laughs> came up to you and just said, I'm going to kill you. And it was like a 10-year-old boy. I don't but, remember that, but, but that's probably, like, yeah. you know, that's that's... I had three 13-year-olds come terrorize me at a roller skating rink once. <laughs> and I was like, get away from me. How old are you? God, 30, maybe, oh, 33. Okay. Yeah. And I couldn't believe they were trying to bully me. That's what I kept I kept being. I was, like, trying to look at my phone. And then I'm like, what? Get away from me. I had to literally be, like, shooing, shoo them away like they were, like, like raccoons. <laughs> anyway. That's like that kid at Comic-Con that was making fun of us, that nine-year-old mm-hmm. that was, like, swindling us. We're a bunch of grown-ass oh, really men. he was. Yeah. He did. He, like, tricked us in it to buy and stuff real cheap and, and then, laughed about but then, it. Yeah, and then he was like, all right, suckers. God. <laughs> this wow. adorable little 10-year-old kid. Jeez. He played us for a bunch of chumps. He did. We are a bunch of chumps. Uh, in the early morning hours of Christmas Day 1975, uh, George looked up at the house after checking out the boathouse, saw a pig. He saw that pig creature uh, standing behind uh, Missy, the daughter, in her bedroom window. When he ran up to her room, he found her fast asleep and her small rocking chair slowly rocking back and forth. I, just, I don't know what to make of this. George would wake up to the sound of the front door slamming. He would race downstairs to find the dog sleeping soundly at the front door. Nobody else heard the sound, though it was loud enough to wake the house. I think this, again, goes back to the affair. That was, <laughs> that was her leaving. Yeah. Seems, oh, the door! It seems like if they got a security camera, there would be no mystery. Yeah. It would be this, this guy stepping out on his wife. <laughs> it, that might even explain the little red room. She'd have to hide down in this room, just hide behind the shelf till she's gone. She's yeah. going to work soon. Yeah. Uh, George would hear what he what was described as a marching band tuning up, or what sounded like a clock radio playing, not quite on frequency. When he went downstairs, the noise would, noise would cease again. This is yeah. <laughs> this is him farting. Yeah. This is there's a lot of cover-ups. whoa marching band. Yeah. A lot no. of the, a little elephant under the rocking chair. The rocking chair, the classic thing you fart on. <laughs> Grandpa on the rocking chair. Someone to step on a duck? No, it's marching band tuning up. Yeah. Someone. It sounded like what's. It sounds like someone stepped on a duck, honey. Uh, Maybe he has a super literal wife that just yeah. did, couldn't pick up on sarcasm or humor. Oh, that could be. Uh, George realized he bore a strong resemblance to Ronald DeFeo Jr. 
began drinking at the same bar where DeFeo was once a regular customer. Oh, you mean the bar that was closest to the house? Yeah, it was <laughs> right around the corner. Wow, what a, what a crazy... You can't write that. You can't yeah. make it up. And I don't know what George looks like. Ronald DeFeo looks like your typical 70s guy. Mm-hmm. Like 70s white guy. Your picture in this Just game. Like a like a brush. Like a brushy. Very brushy. Yeah, exactly. Very brushy. <laughs> you know what he looks like? And I probably without seeing a picture of him. No, I can't, I can't believe it. You know that he's brushy. <laughs> um and so does it get worse? Because this doesn't seem that unreasonable. When closing Missy's window, uh Kathy saw red eyes glowing at her. While in bed, Kathy received red welts on her chest caused by an unseen force and was levitated two feet in the air. Okay, that's starting to get supernatural. Now we're starting to get there. Um, uh, Locks, doors, and windows were damaged by an unseen force. Cloven hoof prints attributed to an enormous pig appeared in the snow outside the house on January 1st. (laughs) Green gelatin-like slime oozed from walls in the hall and also from the keyhole of the playroom door in the attic. Oh, here we go. Some ectoplasm. Finally, we're we're getting somewhere. So far, everything else is just a guy gaslighting his wife while having an affair. Yeah. No, the green slime. Now we're dealing with Slimer. Yeah, get some slime in there. Even like the damaged doors, it could be just a scorned lover. He yeah. dumped the, the, the prostitute. She, she starts trying to break in. She, she attacks the wife when she's, you know, when the wife's asleep. She gets those welts. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I just saw the movie uh, uh, Girl on a Train, which deals with... That's why I think this is where I'm going, because that's kind of the, the oh, plot I, of that. I have no idea what the plot of that is. You should see it. It's good. Is it good? It's, yeah, it's good. I want to see that one where... Uh, Beneflex, like some kind of murderer or something, the accountant or something. Oh, he's like a gangster murderer. I don't know what it is. I think it's like a gangster, like an old timey gangster. I saw thing. a weird ad for it, and I thought, I oh, ne- never mind. Continue. What do you think? Have we talked about what we think Slimer looked like before he died? <laughs> Try picturing a pre-death Slimer. I don't know if we talked about it on air. I read a really interesting theory online somewhere about the the suicide of the man that was Slimer. That's awesome. And it's just and you don't realize it's Slimer till the end of the story, but it, you know he checks yeah. into this this hotel in New York, this fine hotel on this certain floor <laughs> that his wife that left him. Yeah. You know they, their honeymoon was on that in that room, and he rented that room, and then I can't even remember what it was. It was like. He like hung himself. Oh no, no, he was he was paralyzed or something. Oh, so is that why he has no legs? Yeah, he, he got paralyzed. His wife left him, and then he hung himself or sorry, ate himself to death. I can't remember what it was. Um, but but Slimer couldn't have had like even though he seems like a really fun loving ghost, I think all that happiness is covering up a pain inside. That's true. From the man that was Slimer. The man that was Slimer. Yeah, it was probably Robert Slime or something. Slime R. Yeah, and slime was probably spelled like some mm. like Eastern European way, right? S C H L E I M. Yeah, it was like Rubert Sleem. Yeah, or something Rubert Sleem. Yeah, because every ghost in that movie either looks like a like a rotten skeleton type thing, or just looks like a person. Right. Like when the Titanic arrives, and then there's all those ghosts that just look like glowing people. So Slimer. That's true. So that so it, so it's established that ghosts just look like what they looked like before they died. Yeah, so, so Slimer. So what does Slimer look like pre-death? He, he, he had an eating problem, that's for sure. Yeah. He would just eat five hot dogs at a time. God, he was horrific. Yeah. He must have been... Well, I Big mean, is, is his... So is that his head? 
Is that just his head, or that's his that's his body down to his like it's, where his legs would be, right? Yeah, like it's not supposed to be just a head. So if you get your limbs amputated and then become a haunting ghost, yeah, do you have? Does your ghost have limbs? No, I'm not sure. I've heard. Well, you, they talk about ghost phantom pain. Yeah, and that's probably I don't know. Well, Slimer. So he's a head and a belly and arms. His arms are really weird, though, right? Yeah, they're, they're not little. Doesn't really right. have prominent shoulders. And there's 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 no neck to speak of at all. He wasn't a handsome man. Like Slimer was really ugly. Yeah, just really grotesque. So he's kind of the tragic figure in Ghostbusters that no one really remembers. Yeah, he's actually the protagonist. Yeah, he is. He, they just didn't spend a lot of scenes on it. They him. should write a book or make a movie from his point of view because then it would be like that Wicked book where it's, what is it, like Snow oh, yeah. White? Yeah, Wicked. From, well, it's, no, it's Wizard of Oz. Wizard but. of Oz from the witch point of view? Yeah. They need to have a Slimer point of view Ghostbusters. And instead of being like this comedy, it's just this dark, it's like The Road or something, this dark, depressing. Sad tale. Sad, suicide, uh, just a, a, a broken man. Well, what explains the slime then? Because you were saying like the ghosts from the Titanic, they they were just glowy with yeah. shredded clothes, right? Yeah. Which I and guess the, the library ghost was a woman who then turned into like this weird ape thing. Yeah. But that could just be like a rotten corpse. Yeah. And it could be like you could just mess around with your own. Like maybe your your the ectoplasm responds to your psychic energy as far as. Like emotion, and so when you get angry, well, yeah, as a ghost, the, the red ectoplasm in the second one that responds to emotion. That's yeah, but I mean, even in even in the one, even the ones that make up the ghost, then, like, because that's because like, well, that's I, like well, so. What new, I'm saying, because no, in the second one, there it's like a new kind of ectoplasm, right? Well, I remember that the toaster dances, and they have to put on the Statue of Liberty, and it yeah. dances around. Yeah, but it's it's making everyone grouchy in the city, right? People are fighting because they're above the river of emotion slime. Yeah, and it's like storing all the negative emotions. And yeah. Stuff. But maybe ectoplasm itself reacts also to emotion. So, like, when the ghost got mad, her face went from her librarian face to, a, like, an ape-like oh, sure, monster. Sure. And that was, was kind of like a Green Lantern ring reaction. No, that makes sense. Well, I like that we just solved a mystery we didn't even set out to at the beginning. I know. The, the, the sad life and tragic death of, of R. Sleemer. Yeah. Mr. Monsieur Sleemer. Rest in peace, Slimer. Um Okay, so they got green, green jello coming out of the walls. Um, they had a 12-inch crucifix in the living room that revolved until it was upside down and then gave off a sour smell. Mm. Um, George tripped over a four-foot-high lion ornament <laughs> and then found bite marks on his ankle. <laughs> then he moved the lion to the sewing room, and yet it reappeared in the living room. Okay. These last ones, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on a high note. Okay. Uh, Missy would sing constantly while in her room. Whenever she left the room, she would stop singing. Upon returning, she would resume singing. Stop. What? Uh, on one occasion, Kathy heard what sounded like a window being opened and closed, even though no one was there. Here's this, the is all, this is all the, the other woman sneaking out the window, yeah, going exactly. down the stairs. The husband's saying, oh, why do you have these claw and bike bite marks? Oh, it was that uh, lion over there bit me. And he scratched my back really bad. That lion uh, statue. This is really clear to me what's going yeah, on. Yeah, this is a guy with a great imagination and a drug problem yeah. who is gaslighting his poor dumb wife 
while he entertains a heavily perfumed prostitute. George saw Kathy transform into an old woman of 90. The hair wild, a shocking white, the face a mass of wrinkles and ugly lines, and saliva dripping from the toothless mouth. Well, we all know what that is. That's damn insulting is what that is. It's insulting, but you know it's him like being like, oh, man, she's not getting any younger. Yeah. Like, that's much more of how he emotionally responded this to This is like her. when a hungry person looks at their friend and then sees a cheeseburger. Right. Where you morph into, like, a, just a chicken leg and it, then yeah. back to yourself and you say, what are you looking at? Yeah. Or sometimes the cheeseburger even says, what are you looking at? Yeah. Or why are you looking at me that way? Yeah, that's what it is. Why are you looking at me that way? When you're, like, on a boat adrift at sea. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've got a handkerchief on and a knife and fork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, we did it again. We solved it. I know that poor woman, her her scummy husband, opening the doors, slamming doors, creeping people down the stairs, making noxious odors to cover up, you know, perfume. Wow. And it's it's even it's even more pathetic when, you know, his his prostitute's trying to climb out the window and his wife's coming down the stairs, so he has to dive over, spin the crucifix on the wall, and then just yeah, because he brushes against it. Yeah, and just like and then just by force of habit, he farts again. Yeah, and farts as a sour odor. Oh god! And then he trips over the giant lion to like make a distraction, like like Jim Carrey or something. Like yeah. whoa, makes a big scene, and then she, whoa, the oh, the window slam. I didn't hear a window slam. That was me tripping over this this four foot tall tiger ornament. Yeah, we gotta move. We gotta oh, oh, that, we, we gotta move. Yeah, I know it's only been twenty eight days, and we got a great deal on all this furniture. But yeah, that, that's what that's when things went sour with the with the other woman, mm-hmm. and she, she turned into just uh, what's that movie? Fatal Attraction. So yeah. then she was coming to the house trying to break in, like wiggling the doorknobs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's, that explains so... why he has to move. It's like, well, honey, we got to get the hell out of here. It's so haunted. So again, just like Wicked, we can write it from her point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole story. Just think about the Amityville horror from the point of view of the other woman mm-hmm. that was used and abused by this two-time and man. Yeah, it's not so. It's not so supernatural. It's just. It's just tragic. It's just sad. Yeah, it's just sad. Before we move on, of course, our allegations are all alleged and based solely in speculation and for entertainment purposes only. Truly. George and Kathy Lutz are wonderful people yeah. that we don't know. We don't want to pile on the, the, the 17 films about them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't want to do that. Well, well, now what, dude? How's your, uh, how's your heavy metal pursuit going? Um, pretty good. I saw Blind Guardian last week, who are the band that I talked about months ago that have a Lord of the Rings concept album. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were so good. They were so fantastically good. They're, they've been a band for 30 years, and it's the first time they've come through Smogville, ever. And they're Italian or they're German. Swiss or something? They're German. German. But it's just, I, as they were playing, I just had this thought of, I can't believe I live in a world where there is a band that is millionaires, and they've been writing this goofy, kind of almost Lord of the Rings, Dungeons and Dragons metal. They've been doing it their entire lives, and it's just, they they exist. Yeah, There's a band that wants to make an album that's all about the Cimmerillion. 
And, you know, these are turbulent times. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uncertainty about the future, particularly in America. Right. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of trouble out there. But when you're feeling down, think about that, what you just said. Yeah. There's a band of, of guys with long hair mm-hmm. approaching retirement age. Yeah, at least in their 50s. And they're writing deadly serious songs about hobbits. Yeah. Th- like that heavy, are good. That good are good. Yeah. Harmonies. They're talking about the, the Dark Lord and the, the, ring, the One Ring. And these are men that have devoted their lives to this pursuit. And it's just, it's just such a beautiful thing. Like, I thought about it during the show, and I was just like, this is so incredible that I'm right here, right now, at this point in time, and this exists. So, yeah, that's, it was almost a spiritual experience going to see uh, Blind Guardian. So good. Nice. So, and they were so, so talented, so good. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. I think metal-wise, there's some reviews I want to do coming up, but I don't. I'm not prepared. No, today. not not during Halloween season. You're yeah. busy. Yeah. I mean, when I came over, you'd only gotten about half the house done with the fake cobwebs. Right. Right. And uh, and that scarecrow ain't gonna stuff itself. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a fun prank. Is you dress up like a scarecrow, mm-hmm. and then stand in a field person. for days and days like David Blaine, and don't <laughs> eat. Uh huh. That is scary. Such a good prank. Yeah, don't you remember when David Blaine did that on October first? He stood up like a scarecrow, and then he stood. It was up. like in a box on a pole, right? Mm-hmm. And then on Halloween Day, he died. Yeah, <laughs> thirty-one days without eating or drinking, or not being a scarecrow, and that was magical. It's, that's magic. I guess. I guess. Well, let's let's get to the Degrassi minute. We last left off with a cliffhanger. Now, one of our listeners who uh, started watching the show and then has since completed the entire series through Degrassi High told me that we are entering the phase he refers to as ultimate Degrassi. Oh. He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet because now it's going to get weird. We're we're entering the weird era. We're entering it. So when when last we left off, Shane had done LSD at a concert and is now missing. Wheels is hitchhiking to find his biological father and almost got molested got, in a cornfield. Yeah, a creep. Yeah. So he finally gets to, uh, Wheels gets to the hotel where his dad is, knocks on the door. His dad has just the most amazing Ned Flanders mustache. This is the rock star? This is a rock star, yeah. Of course he's got the, the he's, mullet. He's brushy. He's very brushy. <laughs> very brushy. Because he's got the mullet that's like, not like a rocker mullet, but like mm-hmm. where it's poofy on top. Like you can tell he brushes it and he's yeah. hairspray. Like every like a classic Canadian hockey cut. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like Keith Hernandez mm-hmm. in his prime. Uh, and then this mustache that just looks like it's not real. It's yeah. the most ridiculous Ned Flanders mustache. Wheels knocks on the door and he's like, Oh, great to see you, buddy. Just you and me against the world now. Are you still playing bass? Come play bass in my band. Obviously, that's fantasy sequence. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Yeah, no, snap to it. Uh, the real guy, now he's got no shirt on and a towel around his neck, so he's straight out of Miami Connection. Okay, I like that. And he's like, uh, what, what are you doing here? What do you want? Where's your parents? And he goes, they're dead. So somehow this guy didn't even know that the parents had been killed in a car crash. Wow. And he's just like totally like. But he, he wrote him a letter, right? He wrote him a postcard saying, I think your birthday is sometime around now. Anyway, I'm just rocking and rolling. Okay. So then Wheels breaks into the club where they're, they're setting up and plays the bass, and then this guy comes in and yells at him. 
Wow, this is he's sad. Just, he's on stage by himself, like, jamming on the bass. And then the guy comes, he's like, hey, that's my kid, man. Oh, okay, well, I guess you can hang around. And Wheels is trying to, like, make, he's like, hey, I've been playing bass for over a year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're a real pro then. And then they both laugh. <laughs> These grown-ass men laughing at a junior high kid. Because he's, he's only been playing bass a year. I'm with them. Yeah. What a loser. Uh, he meets his dad's fiance Maggie, who's pregnant. And it's kind of a big deal that they're not married yet. Okay. And he's like, yeah, I know traditionally you get married first, but this is just how it worked out. And uh, and then, you know, oh, so you're going to keep it? You're not going to throw that baby away like you threw me away? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just slipped out. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's all these conversations happening within, uh, within like three feet of wheels of like, I don't know. He can stay for a minute, but he's got to hit the road. Oh, this wow. kid's got to go. Oh, this man. kid. So the grandma comes and, and cries and says, I wish your parents hadn't died. We love you so much, our only grandkid. Wheels goes back to school, reunites with his, uh, his buddies in the band. And this one actually ends on a high note. It ends on a happy, happy note. Um, except I've read ahead and I know what happens to Wheels. Oh, no. Let's hear, let, don't, I'd rather be in, in ignorance right now, the yeah. bliss of ignorance. I'm just going to say, not good. Well, no, t- tell me the high note to know. I want to... I wanna oh, t- it just ends with him and his buddies going back to school, and they're like, we missed you, and they're like, oh, great. There's this shtick uh, from the first scene of the first episode where Joey Jeremiah says, uh, oh, hey, I'm on the welcoming committee. Let me show you around. That's like his little his gimmick. So he says that to Wheels. So it's a nice throwback to the first episode mm-hmm. before all this terrible shit happened. But let's talk about what happens when you do drugs. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask what happened about the drugs. So uh, Luke is the buddy that was with Shane. The cops have already talked to him, and they're like, no, no drugs. I don't know what happened. He went home. So they meet him in the hallway, and the, this cop is, is really acting hard. <laughs> Last time we met, you said, he doesn't do that stuff. I don't know anyone who does that stuff. We were talking about drugs. And then Luke says, uh, I don't do that stuff. Well, guess what? We found Shane <laughs> underneath a bridge. Oh. I don't know if he jumped or fell. He's barely alive. Whoa. For a minute, I thought you meant like Kurt Cobain or like... Uh, or uh, un- Anthony Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis. Like he, we found him shooting heroin under the bridge downtown. No, he- they found him hours later. I guess at least a few days later uh, under a bridge that he fell off of. So this, well, is, like, this is like 127 hours. Yeah. This is like a survival story from his point of view. Again, and that would be another interesting story. But yeah. he is unconscious in the hospital. We don't know if he's going to make it. Let's see the episode of him trying to sur- survive for three days. Survive under a bridge, eating dead leaves. It, and it's, is it like winter at the time? I, f- I don't know much about Canada, but I thought it was the land of always winter. No, but I mean in the episode, does it look cold? Like no. Cold looking? No, and our Christmas episode was a while ago. So it, no, it's not cold looking. It looks like... So it's just it a- looks chilly. It's, it's like denim jacket weather. It, it might dip at night. Oh, absolutely. And then with his compound fracture. Well, so what was his injuries? But I don't know. They don't say, but he's just barely alive. Is he's he in like, a coma. He's on like the beep, beep, beep life support Life support, thing. yeah. He's got a priest at his side. That's actually his dad is like a, a pastor. Um, and then some of the kids gossip that he might have been faking just to get out of school. But I don't think you – that's pretty – Yeah, that's, that's pretty badass faking. Yeah. Um, again, I've read ahead. Things turn out fine. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll see. Bad. That's what happens when you do acid and, and play on bridges. Yeah. That's legit. I can see that happening. That's true. 
Don't do dangerous things, everyone. That was always the story that tells his kids is, is someone did drugs and then thought they were Superman and f- jumped off their roof with a cape. The most common side effect of drugs is thinking you can fly. Yeah. For some reason. And it always is. It's the number one thing I'm that happens. flying. As soon as those drugs hit your system, you suddenly realize you can fly. <laughs> yeah. So, That's what it takes. You have to open your mind. We can, it's everyone, all drugs, too. Everyone can fly. Uh-huh. It's just that... You know, over thousands of years, humanity has closed their mind to the concept right, of flying. Right, right. Gravity's yep. a myth. Yep. So, and this, on TV at least, it applies to all drugs. All drugs make you fly. It doesn't matter if you're doing heroin or yeah. coke or, or, or even weed. And that's what you say when you offer it to them, is you say, You'll why fly you want, when, you wanna, when you can fly? <laughs> when you can fly. Hey, man, don't you want to fly? <laughs> Man, there is some cliches and tropes in TV and movies, yeah, eh? so much, eh? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, real quick before we jet, um, we got some emails to get to, but uh, one of our last slang words was barn burner. <coughs> True. Jason writes in and says, one time I saw Social Distortion in Dallas, and Mike Ness introduced the song when she begins as a Texas barn burner. Okay. So that's, a, also... that's a fitting description for that song, I think. What song was it? When She Begins. I'm not sure what, what That's like their on. big one. Is it? I oh. begin to roll. <laughs> Man, social distortion. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him live a couple times, but I like to think that Mike Ness talks like that in real life, too. Mike Ness must be so weird. He almost seems like a monster that's pretending to be a human. <laughs> He's like, like Tim Armstrong. Like, yeah, yeah. Like He just almost seems like... He reminds me on Thundercats of that giant lizard that's one of the bad guys. If you just added like like a... a cons- not a construction worker. Like a, one of his... his uh, what are they called? Mechanic shirts. Remember yeah, like, I don't know what those are called. Work shirts? Work, workman shirts. Yeah, it was then workman shirts. grease shirt. your hair back, and then he just, he's just this weird alien. Yeah. Social Distortion are one of those bands that in the, the short time I lived in San Diego, I went from loving them to hating them. Oh, yeah. You said it's just all Social Distortion all it's, the time. It's relentless. Yeah. Like relentless. You turn on the radio any day of the week, any time of the day or night, and it's either Social dis- Distortion or Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah. Without, without fail. Yeah. So I got to the point where, like, I used to love social distortion. I saw yeah. them live a few times. Yeah. But now I just, I turn them off immediately when I hear them. That's one of those things you go to where you're like, where are these people the rest of the time? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait, you're telling me there's 250 rockabilly cats in my city? I never see them. I don't see them at Target. Yeah. Maybe you just, gathered. You got to go to the right bar, I guess. Yeah. I remember I went to a bar one night, and there was all these skinheads, and I was like, huh. Why have I never seen 50? And I'm talking kind yeah. of like the, the like scooter skinheads, you know? Yeah. Like, not like neo-Nazis necessarily. I don't I, know. Let's hope not. Let's I hope not. Know. Yeah, fingers crossed. But I just thought, where, where are all these weirdos normally? Maybe, maybe we've got to get out of this Ferris wheel more often is the I problem. I guess that's the problem, yeah. They're in a Ferris wheel. <laughs> World champion podcast. With Brighton and Sean. This is Mike Ness. Does, did Mike Ness? Oh, this is Mike Ness. When I'm in Smogville, I tune in to... I'm kind of doing a, do a little too Southern do, on that Do you know what Mike Ness is like? Mike Ness is like, going back to Ghostbusters, he's like a normal old guy that got possessed by like a greaser biker <laughs> yeah. guy that died. Like a James Dean guy that died in a car, rat, car wreck. So he like goes into his ear and suddenly he's like smoking cigarettes 
and he's like Elvis, you know? Yeah. So he's like a man that's got a ghost in him from the 50s. What does he look like now? He probably, it's probably the same as Glenn Danzig, where he's just walking out of Costco with cat food. And yeah. He's, and he just looks dorky and got a pot belly. And his, his like slicked back hair is just messy and wild. He's a, he's a hardworking man. I mean, they tour all the time. Yeah. Constantly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. go for him. Well, I wasn't criticizing him in, in any real normal way. No, of course not. We saved that for Strangers That Bought a Haunted House. <laughs> <laughs> not rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I want to get to Clay's. Wait, why was he telling us about time. Mike Ness? Because uh, our last uh, slang thing was... Oh, barn uh, burning. Barn that's burning. right. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's, that's cool. I'm glad he used an old term like that. Yeah. Uh, and then James writes in, uh, speaking of oiled boys, and asks us if we're familiar with the Shockmaster. Well, we certainly are. Oh, God. And that's his voice in the, uh, the introduction yes. to the oiled boys segment. Maybe you can, I'll... You can hear that right now. So you're the man that moves the world. You yeah, that those the, that talking is actually the Shockmaster. Yeah, and the Shockmaster, just real quick for anyone that doesn't know, was a wrestling gimmick that failed miserably, mm-hmm. where a team of guys uh, kept bragging about their new ally that was going to come and, and save the day, and they were like <laughs> in a house for some reason, they're like in a, on a set that's a house. I know it looks like they're they're like family ties or something. Yeah, and they go, wow. "Here he is, the Shockmaster," and the Shockmaster is a big fat guy. Who's wearing a stormtrooper helmet that's been painted with silver glitter? And then but other than that, it's just a straight up stormtrooper helmet, and then like a a vest that goes all the way to the ground. That's like fur, right? It's like a yeah, furry like a furry vest. vest trench coat thing with no shirt and his big fat belly. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to come busting through the wall and threaten everybody. Yeah, like Kool Aid Man. <laughs> yeah, but he busts through the wall and falls down uh-huh. on his face, and his helmet flies off, and he's frantically trying to put his helmet back on. Yeah, and then the voice is someone else doing voiceover. <laughs> So then he's standing there, like, awkwardly putting his helmet back on when it's like, I'm the Shockmaster. <laughs> can't even talk about it. And, you, yeah, you can totally tell. Even though he's wearing a full helmet, you can tell it's voiceover because he's pointing at the wrong times. Yeah. Like, he's pointing when he's not talking. Yeah. And then he's adjusting his helmet when, he, when he's yelling at someone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, we love the Shockmaster. And they made there. an action figure of him where he's packaged upside down. Yeah. If you look it up, he's upside down in the packaging. And the helmet's like off to the side. Oh, man. Uh, James sent the YouTube clip, and we'll post that on our social media, yeah. which is a World Champion podcast on Facebook, uh, Instagram, World Champion Pod. We have a behind-the-scenes video I've been sitting on for a while, mm-hmm. and I was going to put it in the feed until I realized that uh, through the system we use, that's not possible. Is that, oh. So I cannot put this on iTunes. Okay. Why? There, there might be a way. There's got to be a way. Well, uh, our, our uh, system does not support video podcasts at this time. All right. Fair enough. Squarespace, everybody. <laughs> I, love, I, I love Squarespace. Listen, people. You, you want to start a website, go to squarespace.com. <laughs> no, seriously, I love Squarespace. It's great. It's oh. so easy. Except it doesn't support video podcasting. Okay. So there might be some way to do it. But anyway, check our Facebook and Instagram um, for that. And please watch it. Because you want to see... It's actually a very rare look into the Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And now that I've said it, I have to do it. So I'll do that later today. All right. Today being uh, Thursday. Uh, okay.
To die is a fate that must come to us all. But how horrible to be buried alive. Imagine the hell of lying trapped in your own coffin, your heart beating wildly, every gasping breath using up the valuable oxygen. This death by suffocation has befallen many a demented creature after attempts to claw himself out of his entombment. Oh, <laughs> 